The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So, Mari, what's your show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about how to put your whole self into life. And we have this great book that I just finished reading. It's called How to Put Your Whole Self In. 101 Instructions on Becoming Good for Yourself, Good for Others, and Good for Heaven's Sake. Let me tell you a little bit about this author, this book with a smiling face. I haven't met him in person, but I've had the opportunity to speak with him now, so it'll be fun to have this interview. And um, this book is written by Dr. Donald Huntington, who is co-owner and editor-in-chief of two lifestyle magazines. One is called 110 Degrees Magazine. East County Living, and 86 Degree Magazine, Central County Living. Dr. Huntington is also an accomplished ghostwriter, a writer, an acclaimed motivational speaker, and he's had, he spent 20 years as a technical writer in California's Silicon Valley, where he developed the specialty of creating internal newsletters for high-tech companies. And he has had his own uh, home-based book production company, And he is also, this is wonderful, he holds a baccalaureate degree and two master's degree in the field of uh, theology, plus an honorary doctor of divinity degree. And he has this wonderful book that kind of blends all of these uh, great talents and skills that he has about working with people, writing, and of course, his spiritual advent. So I really love this. You always hear me talking about those kinds of things as well. And um, so uh, without further ado, we're so happy to have you joining us from Northern California. Thanks, Don. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Mari? I'm doing really well, and I really enjoyed your book. And I especially, I like it because I can sit down and just take like day 70, make others feel great, you know, and then just kind of look at that. And then you have these little little tidbits about try this, little little activities to try. So I really, really enjoyed that. And, um, you know, I think feeling good about yourself and doing good for yourself and good for others and just doing, you know, spirits work in the world really does help to heal conflict in the world, too. So tell me, how is it that you decided to write this book? You were a ghostwriter for everybody else. How is it decide? How did you decide to do this book for yourself? Well, we 
when we started our magazine like 10 years ago, I started a back page called I Was Just Thinking, and I decided from the first issue that I would put something on there that would be about grace and about positive attitudes and so forth, but not about religion. And I developed quite a following of people that would tell me that they always started our magazine with that back page and a lot of great feedback, and people thought I had to put them down in a book. So I decided to write a book. This is different than the back page, but it has the same sort of tone to it uh, on how to put yourself in. I don't know where the... Uh, title came from or the subtitle it just uh, it was just fortunate i stumbled on them i guess well i think it's good it is positive and you know i i deal with people who are often very negative you know that's my profession to deal with people constantly who are in conflict and when they're in conflict they have a lot of hurt from the past a lot of fear a lot of anger all those things and you know i think it's so wonderful when you realize that you have a choice and how you wish to think. And that's why, what I love about your book, because it's helping you to make the decision and make the choice to be positive. And, you know, people forget, oh, they think that they're a, a victim to their circumstances, and they don't recognize that when something goes wrong, they have the choice to look at it as, okay, there's some lesson in this for me. There's some learning. I'm going to look for the good in it. And, and that's what I really love about your book, because it is looking at the good in everything. So that seems to be your philosophy, too, isn't it, Don? Yeah, it certainly is. I do, um, I've got a fan page, and I've been putting entries on there every day. And this morning I put in there, uh, the title was, I'm Not Angry. And the first paragraph was, someone accurately noted that it usually takes two people to make one of them angry. <laughs> and then I added the growing phenomenon of road rage illustrates that. And I've decided that um, it really does take two people to make one of them angry, and I'm working hard never to be one of those people. Exactly. And, you know, then, and there's another way to look at it, too, is that, you know, no one makes you angry unless you allow it, right? Well, I've got a, my philosophy is that Nobody ever can make you angry. What right. you do is you have this anger that's inside of you and all the other. So when you're, somebody cuts you off in traffic, you say, oh, he made me so angry. But it didn't, right. really. It just called up the anger that was there. If Buddha had been driving the car or Gandhi or Jesus, <laughs> right. they wouldn't have been angry because they just lacked. And I'm coming to that point, too. We can all come to that point yes. through discipline and reflection and meditation and prayer to that yes. point that we just don't have the anger inside of us. Right. And that's what I, I, you know, deal with my clients when I'm trying to coach them through the mediations. I'm saying, you know, this person didn't make you angry. You are allowing that. So if you allow that to come in for you to get angry, you can get angry or you can choose to say, this is how he feels. This is how I feel. And now let's see how we can resolve this because b being angry doesn't get you anywhere. It just it's just a motivator for you to make some changes. So, but anyway, I see that you have been married forty seven years. God bless you. That's wonderful. <laughs> and it's the same woman. I know some people say, "Oh, I've been married forty seven women to five different women," or five, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, uh, you know, this is, I think, uh, always something that I, I'd like to write another book about myself, which is I do, I've been doing divorce 
and, and other types of mediation for 27 years. And, you know, I can see when people get back together. I've had about 20 couples over the years that got back together. And I can see all of the things that that really cause a problem in marriage. But I'd like to maybe interview you and your wife about what are the things that you do that you've been able to stay together and be loving to each other for 47 years? You got some tr- uh, tricks and secrets that you can share? Well, there's some big things and some little things. I think the big thing is um, I've learned to just treat my wife as a queen to make sure that I do everything I can to, to make her pathway through the world easy and to make her feel valued and to show her respect. So if I if I do something that irritates her, I try to stop doing it. I don't try to justify it if I make her angry i apologize even if i didn't think that it was my fault (laughs) um the little things uh i tell people that i married the first woman i ever held hands with and 47 years later we're still holding hands and that's been a big thing we hold hands when we ride in a car we hug each other and tell each other we love them before we get out of bed at night and after Mm -hmm. we go to bed or in the morning after we go to bed at night and i don't know how many times during the day just every time we leave you know yeah. I'd say I love you. It's tough. I mean, marriage is tough, and we've had some bumpy roads, but uh, it's, we're just committed to each other. And, you know, like they say, happy wife, happy life. Yes, and if, <laughs> or I say, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. <laughs> exactly. No, and I, I think that is the the key thing. You know, I'm I'm glad that, you know, my husband is my engineer, so he's listening in here, so which is great. So listen to this, Lloyd. But I, I think it goes both ways. You know, I think one of the biggest things that I notice with people and how the people that have gotten back together um, were that they respected each other and, and act with respect and act with, um, you know, do that apology. And you don't have, you know, those people who would rather be right than happy are, are not going to be able to make it in a relationship, you know, because it, it just... You know, you have to sometimes say you're sorry. Like you said, you don't have a problem saying you're sorry. I I personally don't have a problem saying I'm sorry. It doesn't cost me a penny to apologize. And and hopefully it is um, received in the with the intention that I give it. You know, if you say, oh, I'm sorry, that doesn't mean anything. But if you say it from your heart and you really mean it, and you try not to do something like that again, then an apology is pretty strong, wouldn't you say? Yes, and I found another thing. You never, you're never defensive. I tell people sometimes uh, if I do something uh, and get my wife angry, I don't try to defend myself. I don't try to say, "Well, I didn't mean to get you angry." That kind of makes, you know, her problem. And so I just say, "I'm really sorry I did that," and um, "I'm really sorry I said that thing," and I promise I'll. Never try to say it again, and and only then I tell people. And I get a pretty good laugh with this. Only then I tell people if I if I need to ask the question, what was it I said that made you upset? <laughs> yeah, or sometimes you know people, and this isn't just with the wife, but this is. I'll be sitting in a mediation, and I hear somebody say something, and someone takes it in a way that I could tell that the way it was sent. It was not meant to be received how it was received, you know, because people have buttons that get pushed. So sometimes you can just say, you know, oh, I am so sorry. That was never my intention to say that, that you would feel that way. 
my intention was this, not that. And then, you know, that can be clarified, too, because, you know, sometimes you, you know, someone takes something wrong and that was really not your intent at all. Right? Yes, and I've learned a good line that I use when it becomes appropriate to do so. I'm so sorry that that happened, or I said that. And I assure you from the bottom of my heart, if I could go back and do it over again, I'd do it different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when we have that 2020 vision, we realize, or the 2020 audio <laughs> that we hear again in our head and go, oh, gosh, why did I say that? You know, or why did I say it like that? You know, uh, I was listening to this comedian one day and he was saying something like, oh, people say that in, when you have a really good marriage, you're totally honest. Well, if you're totally honest with what you're thinking, that's a good way to have a divorce because you, <laughs> right? Yeah. Do these pants make me look fat? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I guess yeah. it's the most famous one. Yeah, exactly. So you, you just don't say it. You just have to think and stop and think before you say something. Hey, I've got, I figured out one day what the definition of a good lie is, and you know what it is, What? Mari? What is it? It's when the person that you're lying to, if they knew you weren't telling the truth, it would be all right with them. <laughs> That's cute. I love it. So let's talk a little bit about your book. I, I think it's fabulous, How to Put Your Whole Self In, 101 Instructions on Becoming Good for yourself, good for others, and good for heaven's sake. So, you know, I, I, what I like about it is you're, you're, even though you've been a, uh, a pastor for a long time, you, you were, uh, this book is, I think, easily received by people of any religion because, you know, as I say it, the older I get, the more I really realize that my religion, even though I do go to church, my religion is really, really love and God. So um, I think as long as we can bridge that gap with every religion like you did in the book, that's really helpful. So um, tell us a little bit about um, a brief summary about how you uh, can actually do this to put yourself in. Well, I start, I start in the mor every morning by just absolutely turning my life over in the hands of God. And like you say, um, it's become much less of a religious thing than it used to be. I tell people I'm a devout follower of Jesus Christ, but I'm not a very good Christian because I really do believe that people who aren't in my religious tradition can still can do that, can put themselves into the hands of God. And then on the basis of that, once you've done that, you go out and you try to be good for everybody you meet. Every time I leave the house... In the morning, I pray, God, will make me a blessing to everybody I meet that day. And that's just a wonderful, wonderful way to live. So if you're standing in line, I mean, this actually happened to me. I was going through security at an airport, and um, I noticed this African-American officer was checking visas, and she looked like she wasn't very happy. And so when I went up to her and gave her my passport or whatever it was, I said to her, uh, very sincerely, I says, you really do have a, a beautiful, you really do have beautiful hair. And, and she smiled, and I mean, that, she might remember that. You know, there was one passenger in Philadelphia that morning who paid her a genuine compliment. I mean, it's easy to do, and it makes your own life so much more pleasant. 
Exactly, exactly. Some people, uh, you know, they, they're having a bad day and you say one nice thing to them. Or the same thing even with me if I've had a, ch- a challenging day and a client says, oh, gosh, that was so nice of you, Mari, to help me out with this one. You know, go the extra mile. Call me at night. You know, I appreciate it. You know, it just, it just warms your heart. Totally. You know, I as we talked about, you know, I, I deal with conflict all the time. And, and um, when you put your whole self in, how is it that that can actually help you resolve conflict? I mean, I, I kind of know because that's why I chose you to be on the show. But c- tell my audience how actually putting them, themselves in whole, that that's going to help them with their own conflicts. When you look at, you look at things from the other person's point of view, you always try to, you always try to keep peace between yourself and the other person, no matter what, uh, as we already said, no matter what is happening, or even if you don't feel like you were at fault, the fact is you would rather be good with this person and good for that person than to be right. Yeah. It's just a, it's just an attitude. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're, when you are good to yourself and you're good to someone else, um, you're bridging that gap right there, you know? And anything could be worked out. Like uh, conflict doesn't necessarily have to be adversarial. Conflict can be an impotence for great changes and, and you know, new new creative solutions. And that's what, you know, people need to recognize that, that, that as long as they're looking at, well, what's good for me and what's good for you, how can we make this work? That that's a great way to um, resolve conflicts is by just putting your whole self in there instead of getting into your ego. Sometimes when we get into our ego, we also get into fear. And you have a whole section on you know one of your themes is putting away fearfulness. Let's talk about what you mean by that. Well, if you start out in the morning or any time you ever think about it, and just give yourself over in the hands of. God, as you understand God to be, if you really do believe in your heart that there's a plan and a purpose for each of us, then you don't have to be afraid of anything that happens. I once went to see a doctor because I was going to have an operation that was going to remove a large portion of my colon, and he was telling me all the things that could go wrong, might be cancer, you know, that might have internal bleeding, you know, you might die. And I finally laughed at him, and I said, listen, Doc, i got to tell you the truth. I said, you've never had a patient in this office who ever had less anxiety than I have because I really feel that I'm being held in the hand of a benevolent God. And he laughed. He said, well, that's actually a great way, a great attitude to have to come into this. So when I went into the hospital for the operation, I, I never I really stopped praying prayers like, God, you know, help me to get through this. God, keep me from dying. You know, God, help that they move the, op- the uh, surgeon's hands because I figured God's going to do that even if I don't ask him, if I'm just trusting in him to do it. But what I did pray was that I would be a blessing to every single medical person that I came across during my stay in the hospital. And so whenever the nurses would come in or the medical people, I would try to be cordial, you know, and try to be friendly with them. And one nurse actually told me one day, man, we fight over you. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody wants to attend to you because you're so sweet. (laughs) So every, so, I mean, it just changed the whole 
tenor of my stay in the hospital. Yes. I wasn't afraid. You know, I, I saw this as an opportunity. And i got to tell you, I, um, it, some of the times in my that hospital were just wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's such a great, a great example because when you're sweet to others, you you set forth that energy, and then they're sweet back to you. So, so it really was by doing for others it you got back so much more because they were so sweet to you, and they were fighting over you. No, I want to take care of John. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I got to tell you, this only works if you do it. If you just are kind to them, they often, you know, lots of times, at least, they'll respond in kindness to you as long as you don't be kind to them just so they will be. Right. As long as it's not manipulative, as long as it's warm and sincere and from your heart. Yes. And, and you'll do it even if they act ugly in response. It's not going to change your fact, attitude. And in fact, when they do act ugly and you keep doing it, it kind of still softens them. It still okay. softens them. Most of the time. That's my experience. I well, it to... might, but at least that's not going to make me upset. Right, right. You know, and we got to get back to that whole issue of, um, of, of having a choice about how you want to think. Um, I have a friend who's been a friend since she was, you know, we were four years old. And her father just died recently. And, um, and so she's, she got mad at the funeral. People were saying, well, he's in a better place. And she said, no, he's not in a better place. He would like to be right here with his family. And she was like, obviously you get mad. You know, that's one of the stages of grieving. But then I said to her, I said, well, yeah, he probably would love to be here, but he wouldn't want to be in that body that didn't work for him anymore. You know, and um, and if you look at it like that, being out of that body and being free and being able to, you know, at least from my perspective, being able to see you and know that and, and, and going on with, with his spirit goes on. And, um, you know, and she said, well, I don't think that. I think when you're dead, you're dead. And I said, okay, you know, whatever you choose to think, we'll both find out someday. We're both going to find out. But I just think that uh, this made me think very hard because she was uh, real negative. And I thought to myself, I love her to death. I've known her since we're little tiny kids. I knew her family. And I thought to myself, again, we have a choice about what we want to believe or think. And if we're here for only a short time, how much happier we are if we do believe that there is a spirit and that there is this essence of God around us and through us and in us. You know, I mean, it's a choice again. So so what? What if we all find out that it isn't there? Well, then we find out. At least we didn't waste our time while we're here. We're happier. So that kind hey, of listen, there's there's <laughs> a catch there's a catch there. Uh if if we're wrong, we're never going to find out. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll die full of hope and that's the end. Yeah, and I just said to her I said, "Well, we'll both find out." And she goes, "Well, you may not." I said, "Well, you may." <laughs> you know. And uh it was kind of we laughed about it, but I thought to myself, "Gee, you know, I choose to to believe this way, and I'm so much happier than her. So it's just, it, I guess it gets back to choosing how you wish to li live your life, you know? It's choosing how you wish to live it. I've really come to the point where I'm not trying anymore to convince people. I mean, one of the 21 reasons I'm not a pastor anymore is because I'll ever listen to what I said anyway. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to believe it. But yeah. um, I really just love on people. You know, if I had been with that woman grieving over her father, was it? Yeah, yeah. 
I would just give give her a big hug. You you know, one of my chapters is about hugging. Yes. So two hugs a day for health and four hugs for maintenance and six hugs for growth or something. But just, right. I, just, I would have just hugged on her and held on to her for a moment and told her, just so sorry that this oh, happened yeah. instead yeah. of ever trying to come up with some no, explanation we, about how he's in a better place or something. No, yeah. I mean, that really doesn't help people. No, she mentioned that to me that people were saying that to her and I was just, yeah, and I and I said to her, well... You know, we just talked about it. Of course, she knows that I love her and I support her. And I was all those things. We chose in Chicago when I was talking to her. But um, I didn't really argue with her. I just said, you know, we'll, we'll both see. And whatever it is, you know, you know, I love you and I'm there for you and, and all these things. Because, you know, I, I just let go because I, I know I can't convince her either. You know, we'll, we'll both really just find out. So. Let's I wrote a one. I wrote one point in my book. I can only throw my whole self into life by understanding I alone am responsible for my own success or failure. At yes. any particular moment, I am creating my own reality through choices I make. My destiny destiny is a matter of choice rather than chance. Exactly that we're each in charge, and it's it's um. You know, it's about letting go, like you talked about, like you don't want to be a pastor anymore because you don't want to convince people. And for me, being in the profession that I am, that I'm always coaching people, I have to step back and say, you know, it's your life. You know, it's really your life. And I, I'm i trying to learn to let go. So we are speaking today with Dr. Donald Huntington, who is the author of this wonderful book, How to Put Your Whole Self In, 101 Instructions on Becoming Good for Yourself, Good for Others, and good for heaven's sake. And boy, when you do that, conflicts just melt away. So you talk a little bit about a sense of purpose. What role does a sense of purpose have in the kind of life that you're talking about? And how does that really help us to release a lot of the conflicts in our lives? I think uh, wise people throughout history have made the point that we're put here on this earth for some purpose. Our lives are not just random, and you can find that purpose and realize that purpose, and then you can put it to work in your own life. I found out, for example, that being a pastor or a missionary wasn't my purpose. I mean, I really enjoyed being with the people and so forth, but I really didn't get any personal satisfaction or feeling that I was doing what I was supposed to do. But in writing and in speaking, it's just wonderful. I just enjoy writing. I mean, writing is my rest state. If I'm not doing anything else, you know, I'm sitting there with a computer on my lap and I'm writing something. And it just feels so good. It feels like I'm doing what I was actually put in the, on this planet to do. And that's so important for all of us to find what feels good. I know for me... When I was uh, when I went back to law school, I had been a teacher, and I went back to law school, and then I didn't like being, you know, fighting all the time. So that's why I had to become a mediator. I mean, it. Uh, I thought it would be great to be a lawyer, and uh, being a lawyer uh, when you're litigating is you're constantly fighting. And I just felt that that wasn't my calling either. So that's why I, I get it. You know, you have to do what you love and what feels good. We don't have a lot of time, but I know you talk about forgiveness, and we always talk about forgiveness in any kind of conflict resolution. So uh, what have you learned that makes forgiving others easy or at least possible? The fact is I believe that a person can really uh, forgive another person just for purely selfish reasons. 
and just forgive them because you just do not want that negative, uh, those negative vibrations and that negative feelings to be part of you. Because I'm mean, unforgiving spirit, a spirit of resentment and anger. It just, it's like uh, some corrosive acid that just eats away at our souls, and we can decide I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to give this person the power to inflict, infect my life in that fashion. But I think there's even a better purpose than that. I forgive other people just because that's the way I want to be treated. They do something stupid and awful and, you know, dumb towards me and just ridiculous or hurtful. Man, I've done that stuff, my own self, Yes. other people, you know, and I really need them right. to forgive me. So yeah. we all need to I be. might as well do to others what they do to me. Yes. Right? What yeah. I want them yep. to do to me. And we, believe it or not, we're out of time, so it's a great way to end that we need to forgive ourselves and forgive other people because it... It frees us. It frees us as well. So just uh, give your website, and it's time for us to go. Uh, com. Thank you so much, Don. You're terrific, and I hope we'll talk again really soon. Bye-bye. Yeah, this is, this is great, Mari. God bless. God bless you, too. Okay, wonderful. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. right here on Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. And visit our website at conflicthealing.com where you can see our upcoming guests, listen to archived interviews, and write us emails about concerns you have about conflict in your life. Thanks. It's about trust. expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.